welcome back to State of Mind. I'm Grace Kingswell and I'm a nutritional therapist, cold water swimmer, auricular acupuncturist and breathwork coach. This is my podcast series all about health, nutrition, lifestyle medicine, sustainability and so much more. Today I am talking to Amy Selvin of Flow Motion Yoga if you're searching on Instagram. Amy started her career as an osteopath, which she didn't like. Then she retrained as a yoga instructor which she also didn't like. And now she teaches a method she's developed that incorporates animal movement and parkour into a challenging yoga flow. Amy has some pretty challenging opinions as well on life and the world at large. And she's not afraid to speak her mind on the perhaps quite prescriptive nature of the yoga practice that we all know and love so much. And I've also filmed a quick morning mobility sequence with Amy, which I've posted to my Instagram TV. As ever, if you enjoy the episode, I would be beyond grateful if you could help me to spread the word about state of mind by sharing the episode to your Instagram stories and writing me a rave review on the Apple Podcasts app. So let's get into the episode. Hi, Amy. Hi. So nice to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Um, Before we get into everything, I have to ask you the first question I ask everyone. What's the last thing you did that positively impacted your health? Can I choose three? Yeah. Because I kind of did three at the same time. Oh my God, yes. Okay, basically. So, um, So I recently went on this course in America, which was like 14 hours a day. Wow. And that's not the thing that I did. That was, I mean, it did positively impact my health. <laughs> it was during this course that I kind of was reminded um, that I only need two meals a day. And so, like, I basically had two meals a day, every day apart from one when I had three. And on that day that I had three, I just felt... Bleh. Sluggish. Sluggish, heavy, uncomfortable, bloated... Um, like I just wanted to poo all day, but I couldn't and, um, really uncomfortable. Mm. And then every other day that I had two meals, I had like lunch and dinner basically. And I just felt so, so much better, so much lighter and slightly smaller portions than I would have in London, I guess, even though I was in America. Um, and so that was one thing. Also. So you've continued to do that since being back? Yes, but my it's difficult to do it here because my schedule is so erratic. You know, I have classes at different times of the day, classes, you know, every day is different. Mm. Um, so it's kind of awkward to try to also eat at the same time every day, but I'm trying to do that too. Mm. Um, and also, this was one slightly older, maybe, I don't know, three weeks before I went to America, um, having water as soon as I wake up in the morning. And did I used, you not do that before? I did. I used to do it and then I stopped doing it. Oh. And I started doing it again. Yeah, revelation. Yeah. And it was just like, why did I stop? Mm. Because well, So it, what did you have instead? Nothing? Or did you have yeah, tea? Yeah, or- nothing. I just, I would wait f- and then have tea. And now I haven't had a cup of tea for ages. I don't know why. I just haven't, I haven't wanted to. Um, yeah, and I have that glass of water, like, as soon as I wake up. And it just perks me up so much. Yeah. And just... I have so much more energy as a result of that. And I just kind of go from like, (laughs) to like, okay, let's go. Yeah, because we get so dehydrated overnight. Our bodies need that first thing. Yeah, totes. So that is my, that's my number two. two. Hang on, shit, what's the other number? Oh, shit. I forgot number three. Came in all guns blazing like, I have three. Um, (laughs) Yes. Oh, I think it was the regularity. Yeah. Okay, so trying to have meal times and sleep times really like at the same time every day even though it's tricky so 
like I've been trying to make sure that I wake up at the same time every day and go to sleep at the same time every yeah. night. Um, and so yeah, regularity. Amazing. Yeah. The body yeah. thrives on routine, mm-hmm. but I guess that's sometimes quite difficult to achieve if, I don't know, you want a social life or like. I'm done with that. Yeah. Okay. I great. Me too. <laughs> My, my husband work the other is day, my social life. Go yeah, on. Yeah, true. My husband the other day was like, said something about that I never, he was like, we just have a life together at home. Like we do not go out and socialize. It's like, you can go out. That's fine. But like, I'm just happy here. Like that's, I really am. Exactly. Like, yeah. Lovely. I know. It's yeah. good to have routine. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's, um, I mean, I spoke a little bit about you in the introduction, which you haven't heard yet because I also haven't recorded it yet. But okay. <laughs> um, Amy is... Well, I was going to say yoga teacher, but also not. So tell us a little bit about you and how you've got to where you are now, what you do and your kind of focus in life. Right. I guess it kind of started when I was just a child. Because <laughs> you actually trained as an osteopath, I did, right? yeah. yeah. Um, but before that, I used to work in fashion. Okay. I worked in fashion for three years and I found it fun and interesting for a while and then I kind of felt like mm. who am I doing this for like I also worked in fashion oh, did and you? got to that point yeah it's just like well, so I actually just don't care about this industry yeah I realized that I liked clothes yes. and I liked buying them for myself but I could not care less about the industry yeah yeah and obviously now like having had a bit of a more eco transformation in the last couple of years I like definitely don't like the industry mm-hmm. yeah, yeah exactly and I still love clothes but um, I don't know. I just felt like in that environment, I was just like, who am I doing this job for? Mm. And it just felt a little, I don't know, something. Anyway, so then I went from there feeling like, who am I doing this for? Who's benefiting from this? To, okay, I need to do something where I know I'm benefiting people. And so I chose osteopathy. And I've always been a bit of a nerd in like, because my dad's a doctor. Mm. And so obviously, like, I look up to my dad. and I'm like, wow, my dad's a doctor. And so I've kind of always been interested in medical stuff as well as a result of that. And always wanted to know about the body. Always been quite holistic in my approach. A little bit Mm -hmm. anti-medication. Not entirely, but fairly. Yeah. And osteopathy just kind of felt like okay I'm going to learn about the body I'm going to help people so let's go let's do this and then um I hated it oh really yeah a lot of people just go to an osteopath because they want to be rubbed better Mm. they want to be fixed exactly someone else to fix the problem exactly and a lot of the time like it depends what the problem is but for ongoing pain for people who have a sort of long-term condition they need to just change something in their life often it's the way that they move sometimes it's the way that they think or a combination of both Mm. and I did an Instagram post about that recently but more related to massage because I think people go to a massage therapist also if they have a bit of a sore thing Mm. and they're like oh a massage is going to fix me and it makes you feel better in the moment and for like half an hour afterwards but ultimately if you have a real issue and a real kind of pain or an injury a massage isn't really gonna help it's a little unpopular opinion and it's a bit scary saying that out loud no I think it's it's totally in line with the way I hope medicine and the wellness industry is going which Mm. is we must we have to get to the root cause of the issue we cannot just put a plaster on a symptom yeah because it's not gonna go away yeah exactly Um, 
you know, it's it's the whole weed killer thing. It's like spray weed killer on the weeds, great, they'll die, but you won't kill the roots, therefore they'll regrow. If you put boiling water on the root on the weeds, though, then that kills them. Oh, really? Yeah. Good, good to know. I learned that on Gardener's Question Time. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you then get from, okay, I don't like osteopathy, to um, doing a yoga teacher training and creating this whole Amy Selvin flow motion yoga thing that you do oh now? Oh, my gosh. Okay. So... <laughs> <sighs> Okay, so when I was a when I was training as an osteopath, my sister died. So like toward the end of year one, my sister so died. Sorry to hear That's that. okay. I've kind of done a lot of work on it. And I'm yeah. actually, in a way, this is gonna sound so bizarre and crazy, but like it was kind of a good thing. And that's also like a super unpopular opinion. But I will can I come back to that later? Yeah. Let's just stick with the first yeah. question <laughs> and come back to that okay so basically sister died I felt very stressed and overwhelmed by lots of emotion and, and stuff and I started going out with this guy who was into yoga and he suggested that I start doing yoga and I was like oh yoga is so boring because I had done some yoga and I was like 18 with another boyfriend and he made me do Iyengo yoga and we used to go to these classes and I would just be like this is I don't know what Iyengar yoga is. Okay, Iyengar yoga is like where you're holding a position for a long time. Oh, okay. And they're quite specific about how they want you to do it. And you're just sort of there doing your position for a long time and mm. not much is happening. And I was just like, okay, this is just so dull. <laughs> <laughs> but for an 18-year-old, it would be incredibly dull. Yeah. Right? Mm. For like a 60-year-old, it's perfect. Mm. So anyway... Started doing yoga with Bertie. He was my boyfriend at the time. And kind of thought, okay, this is also quite boring. Because I had been doing a lot of parkour and parkour is just like mega fun. Mm. And you're bouncing around and you're doing dynamic stuff and you're moving fast. And it's like, oh my God, this is just like exciting. Yoga again, I was just a little bit boring. But I kind of felt like, okay, well, like maybe that's going to help me like with, with the emotional stuff. Yeah. It didn't. At all. Not at all in a single way did it help me with any of the emotional stuff. I then started doing more kind of physical yoga and it got kind of quite challenging and that is what hooked me, was the physical challenges. And I also had this moment when I was doing the yoga of like, oh my God, I'm so shit at this. Mm. This is so hard. Yeah. Oh my God. And I, you know, I even like felt like I can't and I went to this class oh my god yeah I once went to this like dharma yoga class by mistake thinking it was a jiva mukti class I get there like 10 minutes late and they're like doing all sorts of crazy shit and I'm like whoa I can't do this mm. I felt like such an idiot just like sitting in the class watching these people do this amazing stuff and suddenly you were like I want to be able to do that no oh no I was like I shouldn't be here and I was like I was so tempted to leave um and just like with my tail between my legs but I just kind of like, I was like, I can't leave because it's rude. Yeah. So I stayed just feeling like really inadequate, completely inept. And then I called Bertie afterwards and I was like, um, that wasn't quite what I was expecting. And it was so hard. And I just, and I, I can never go back there. He was like, don't be ridiculous. Of course you're going back. I was like, what? Uh-uh. He's like, I'll teach you. Anyway. And so, like, with a little bit of encouragement from him, actually, and then him showing me how to do some of that more difficult stuff, still I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to be able to do this. But, like, 
I got hooked. And the kind of the improvement was encouraging. Mm. And so and I think, you know, that's just what happened for me. And I also, I, I did go to India seeking some sort of emotional kind of something. Didn't get it. Mm. And yeah, I just like the thing that helped me with all of what was going on um, in my mental and emotional life did not come from yoga. And actually, I kind of was really quite disappointed with yoga for a long time. Like, well, it sells itself as this, like, heal all, mm. yet, mm. It ha- like, it hasn't done that for me at all. Like, the thing that helped me the most was um, a thing called the Demartini Method, which I can talk about later. But, like, it, it like that, and it, it just completely changes the way that you think. And that was the thing that helped me the most, not yoga. But yoga obviously did change my life because obviously here I am now teaching it. Yeah. So it's not But completely... what do you teach though? No, obviously not uh, super traditional yoga. No way. Um, so I teach a kind of amalgamation of yoga, all of the things that I've loved in my life. So yoga parkour, dance. Obviously, we're not jumping around on walls in the yoga studio. Um, I would love to, but we have to be relatively sensible. Mm. Um, so there are movements that we learned, like in the in the kind of the warm-up of the parkour class, like crawling, um, kind of moving across. Like animal movements type thing. Yeah. So we would do a lot of that just in the beginning of a parkour class. Um, and I love those movements. They're kind of, they're quite fun. Sometimes... Like the crawling can be like quite grueling for people. Mm. I, for some reason, I just love it. I, I can't explain why. I just do. Mm. Um, and getting back to that I kind think, of primal movement, maybe. Yeah, but there's also something, something a bit rhythmic about kind of the way that the hands and the feet have to move. And you kind of, in that rhythm, I think there's a sort of nice meditation or something. I don't really know. Um, but I find it quite just like chilled and like, okay, mm. let's just crawl for a while. Mm. Yeah, no big deal. Okay. So do you help people? Because movement is obviously at the core of what you do. Yeah. And there's so much more increasing awareness these days about how we're all moving badly and how we're all, you know, sitting down for too long Mm. and how we just go from a bed to a chair to a desk to a chair to bed. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not really engaging with our bodies as these kind of primal things that have evolved Mm. over hundreds of years and can actually do quite interesting, you know, we can move through interesting ranges of movement and we should. How do you have, what is it about the movement that we're doing today that's so damaging to our, to our bodies, to our lives? Mm-hmm. I think. Like, I mean, classic example of me sitting like this in a chair right now is probably really. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> I think the way you're sitting is actually very good because you're not going to be there forever. Mm. You're not sitting here for eight hours in that same position no do you know what I mean I think that's it's the duration duration right yeah it's not necessarily just sitting down is bad at all sitting down is fine it's the length of time that you're doing it so Mm. if you're sitting hunched for 10 minutes no big deal if you're sitting really tall for eight hours that's also not ideal Mm. so or even for standing really tall for eight hours like like those um soldiers outside Buckingham Palace and Mm. yeah like even that is not great because you're just in one position all day even though you're upright not great so it's the variety so if you change the way that you're sitting I mean it's difficult to do this in an office to be fair like people Mm. might think like why are you sitting in a weird way but I 
kind of think like, who cares? Like if you want to change the way that you're sitting and like move around a little bit in your day, in your chair, fabulous. But presumably, because part of the thing that happens when we sit down is, and I could be like totally wrong, but mm. don't we, our hip flexors kind of shorten and tighten up, right? But obviously hey. if you're in a chair, like that mm. bit's never going to change. That kind of act of like putting your bum on a chair and then, you know, like this kind of um, mm -hmm. right angle shape. Mm -hmm. And that's damaging. Is yes. It? Well, yes and no. <laughs> I think yes in the sense that there is a lot of there I remember reading a paper about it a few years ago where there was kind of archaeological evidence to say that like as our lives have become more sedentary we're doing more that we're doing more sitting that there is more wear and kind of damage to mm. our hip joints yeah. as a result of that sitting so yes yeah in answer to that question um and in terms of like what it's doing to our spines yeah kind of similar mm. Um, and so I would say like the most important thing with sitting is just like, don't do it for too long. Yeah. Don't do it for too long. Don't do the same position for too long. So like if I go to the cinema, which is like the time that I spend like sitting the longest in my day, which is like once every two weeks, if, mm. if I'm lucky, um, I fidget so much at the cinema, mm. but I just, I just find it very difficult to sit still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even though this is like nice relaxing time and I could just be like, ah, oh, just like nice sitting down, doing nothing. I still fidget mm. and I still shift position often. And I'm like, how do people not? Like yeah. in a plane as well. I think it's something you get used to just, um, I mean, plane is the absolute worst. We're flying to Australia in a few weeks time. It's just killer. That flight. Like, oh my gosh. Oh, I'm dreading it. Anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. So as an osteopath, mm. I really want to ask you, what is your view on the barefoot movement? Because, I don't know, I mean, you tend to just hear, like, one dialogue on social media or in the, like, industry, and that's that we must get back to our roots and, like, shoes are really bad for us and they do this to our posture and, you know, we all need to wear Vivo barefoots and, like, go running barefoot and all this stuff, um, which is very compelling, but, and then you hear the other side of people saying like, but actually that's really bad for your joints. You know, like we didn't evolve with tarmac. We evolved with like soft grassy pastures that we would run on. And that would maybe like cushion the joints a bit more if you were going to run, blah, blah, blah. What's your take on it? I kind of love it. <laughs> I was expecting you to say that actually. Oh, standard. I'm a bit yeah. predictable. Yeah, I do love it. And so it is, a, it is something that's like genuinely can, could be beneficial for all of our health yeah and I think great especially for kids like for some reason I think there's just like a cultural thing like as soon as a kid is able to walk bam put shoes on yes and well I don't know if it's necessarily just like a cold weather thing because I kind of I spent a lot of time in South Africa as a kid and not wearing shoes Mm. And we were like, I remember walking like from the beach to my grandma's flat, which is across the road, not far at all. And like, we didn't put shoes on. We would just walk barefoot and yeah. like burn our feet on the, on the tarmac yeah, crossing yeah. the road. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, but you get to the other side and you're okay. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of, I love the barefoot thing. I also do have a slight shoe problem. I just love shoes. Oh, as in hangover from the fashion days. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and I've got so many shoes and it's kind of shameful. I kind of look at them in my wardrobe like, oh, 
You're so pretty. But you're so bad for me. Yeah, but again, I I kind of think it's like, well, how long are you wearing them? If you're mm. wearing them for like a lot of the day, you know, for many days of the week, yeah. But the worst ones must be these ridiculous um, trainers, like this trend for trainers with like a huge sole. Oh my God. Which we have the luxury fashion industry to blame <sighs> for, but Those it's been ones? taken onto the high street um, in like the most crazy but, way. Okay, first of all, I think they're really ugly. Yes, me too. Just but also your body, you can't engage with like no, the exactly. terrain that you're on. And, exactly. You know, there's there's no signals going to your brain that tell you like where you are in space and time yeah. and all that stuff. Before that, we haven't always been running on like soft ground. Rock exists, mm. and there are Mexican ultra runners who run on rock. Oh wow! Yeah in very minimalist shoes they wear like a little kind of leather thing that they've strapped to their foot Mm. Um, and there's no cushioning on that and they're running on rock so the kind of the thing about running on a soft kind of muddy or grassy terrain Mm. not Not really really an argument no okay I stand corrected (laughs) so in terms of like the average human like maybe someone that's not an ultra athlete or Mm a barefoot runner or, you know, something quite exceptional, Mm. just like your average person that goes about their life, what is the best form of movement for that person to be doing? Because I'm, and bear in mind, I have no like uh, qualification in like osteopathy or like body work, but I pretend to know things. Mm -hmm. Um, My feeling is that the gym-based culture that we have is actually quite damaging on the body because you're going and you're like shortening all your muscles and you're like bulking everything up and everything gets quite tight and that you're not really elongating anything or stretching anything out and you're doing that same movement pretty much every day Mm -hmm. and you're always like lifting the same weights so I want to know like what is the best form of movement for someone on a daily basis is it for example just walking Mm -hmm. is it jogging is it actually just like stretching or is it going to the gym and like doing a deadlift or whatever like for someone that just is listening to this and thinks like I want to include more functional movement into my day and I basically just want to kind of help my body what is that what does that look like from your point of view okay so I think getting as much variety as possible is really useful um and making your like your environment conducive to moving so for example you know we have escalators um automatic doors and all like in our kitchens and stuff everything's at a very convenient height Mm. um and so if we kind of deliberately make things slightly inconvenient so we have to kind of do more reaching up or bending down to pick up something okay um just kind of little bits and pieces like that just to get your body to move in a slightly different way um is really useful Mm. and so walking I think is fantastic too how did we used to get around we used to walk climbing on stuff I think climbing is actually a really good activity it's not my favorite but again that's quite a primal movement isn't it because we would have always been able to do that or had to do that exactly well not always I think until we became civilized right Maybe, I don't know when we became... When did we become civilised? I don't Biblical know. Biblical times? I don't know. But I kind of feel like, you know, when we started to uh, maybe live in cities or... Yeah. I don't really know. 
maybe an anthropologist will be able to answer that mm. question. Um, well, interestingly, I've been reading Bill Bryson's book, The oh, Body. I really want to read that. It's very good. And mm. he is such an interesting person because he um, mo- he does like 20,000 steps a day every day. Mm-hmm. And that's his thing is that he does not sit down for too long at a time, mm-hmm. ever. He's like on the go all the time. And in the book... How he, does he write his books? Well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, wow, <laughs> you must have to sit down and then like get at, up and sit down point, and get up. yeah. <laughs> but he also writes in the book, having like done all the research um, for it, that just um, moving constantly throughout the day mm. is the way to maintain health. Not just like doing your movement in a one-hour session in the gym in the morning and then like sitting in a chair for the yeah. rest of the day. Absolutely. But I think this is now becoming way more common sense and common knowledge. It's just that our lifestyles haven't adapted to let us do that. Exactly. And, you know, the whole kind of like, well, you have to work between this hour and this hour. Mm. And while you're at that place of work, you You have to behave in a certain way, which is often sitting still. Um, But yeah, absolutely. As you say, I think there is definitely a kind of culture or a sort of movement away from the lack of movement. Mm. Um, So... Uh, hopefully we're kind of moving in the right direction Mm. I want to ask you about yoga Mm -hmm. because I think it's quite interesting what you were saying before about how you started it and you didn't love it and you've kind of you've made this like if someone was to go to one of your classes there might be elements of yoga but there's also a lot Mm. of other stuff going on Mm. um something that um David and Stephen Flynn said to me the happy pair Mm -hmm. don't know if you know them I did a podcast with them and they are amazing uh movers they move all day long and they are just in like they're just incredible mm-hmm. um and they did um ashtanga yoga for 15 years okay and they said that they in the end just found it i don't want to you know say the wrong words but i th- the idea was that they found it quite prescriptive and that they were learning to always move in the same way do the same sequence over and over again in order mm-hmm. to perfect it mm-hmm. Do you think that yoga actually peddles quite a prescriptive version of movement? Yes. Because we all go to a class and we learn to do a sun salutation and then you just practice that over and over again and actually like maybe there's other muscles that need moving in like other ways, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, definitely. Um, And like you were saying, sorry to butt in, mm -hmm. but like yoga is heralded as this kind of like save all, Mm -hmm. you know, this like magical saving grace, Mm -hmm. but maybe it's not. Well, I think it can be and I think... This is going to be really like a very, like I'm going to sound like a politician, but like I think there's no like bad or good. I think the Ashtanga yoga is fantastic in its in the fact that it is always the same because um, because you know what's coming. There is something that in the, I guess the same way that I was talking about the crawling stuff in parkour, like because you know what's coming your mind can just sort of like switch off. Mm. You're not having to think. This is like a what, meditation. Definitely. Like you're not having to think, oh shit, what's coming next? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and you can definitely track your improvement because it's always the same. Um, so that's, I think, a really useful thing. And I think that's why it's very popular. And I think that's why Bikram yoga is really popular as well mm. because it's always the same. And there are, you know, types of yoga that are always the same are very popular because I think people like to know what they're going to get. They like Mm. predictability and they like to know that they're improving. Mm. And so they, it's definitely got its merits. However, um, if you're only ever doing Ashtanga yoga or only ever doing Bikram yoga and you're not doing any other type of movement in your life, 
I think there is potential for after a while, your body is going to start being like, really? Can't we do something different now? Mm. And it will ask that in a, or kind of as an injury or as yeah. a pain. Mm. And... And a lot of people these days, I think, are living with some form of like low-level chronic pain, whether it's like, oh, I have a bit of a sore back or, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. we just kind of get on with it. But yeah. I don't think we should have to. Okay, so Amy, if you could give everyone listening or everyone watching, mm -hmm. hi people, um, like just three kind of takeaways from what we've spoken about, whether it's to do with like movement or managing pain or um, ways to like include movement in your day, be a bit more flexible, what would they be? Three, like, okay. things that people can do. <laughs> okay, obviously move as much as possible. Make things inconvenient for yourself. Um, <clears throat> I like that one. Hide that your shoes great. under the sofa so that you have to, like, dig and, like, really kind of crawl under the sofa if you have a sofa that's high enough that you can reach an arm underneath. Um and your shoes are like tidied away then also. So there's like a double benefit there. <laughs> and um, yeah, put, also put things in high places so you have to reach and climb for stuff. Yeah. Uh, sit on the floor. Don't sit on a sofa, even if you have a sofa. Like if you find sitting on the floor difficult, lean against the sofa. So your bum is on the floor and your legs are on the floor, but you're supported to make your seated position just a bit more bearable because there are some people who just can't sit cross-legged. Yeah. Um, if you do sit cross-legged, cross change your leg position. Just so, as like, as much variety as possible is really useful. Right. Um, and, and I think don't be afraid. I think a lot of people are afraid to move. Um, and I think there's kind of like the gym culture, the yoga culture, the kind of you know, you have to do things properly is a very disempowering message. And I agree that there are certain techniques that are really useful. Okay, you like, say for example in parkour, when you're jumping, if you're thudding as you land, obviously there's gonna be impact through your joints. Um, and so we're always encouraged to land really softly um, in parkour. So that's like a technical thing that helps you remain safe. Um, but I think, even then, like, we try and change our landing position sometimes. So we have jumps that are awkward. So we have to twist as we're landing so that we're not always landing, like, in a straight, perfect position. Um, so, again, kind of adding variety and also just not being so kind of like, well, am I going to damage myself by doing this? Like, if you go to mm. the gym and you do squats or deadlifts, um, like change the way that you're doing that and I know that like there are going to be gym bunnies saying that's terrible no you should only ever do it with your knees bent your back straight da, 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 da. not necessarily because you need the strength in all different ways and ranges of movement if you are going to change your squat technique for example do it with no weight at first mm. and then gradually build up and take your time like you don't have to go bam into that deadlift or into that kind of squat take your time feel allow your body to time to adjust to the different position the different weight the different loading um but also give it variety okay nice. so yeah even like yeah if you're just doing deadlifts do the deadlifts a slightly different way um but I think there is also mm, conversation and action in that as well like people who go to gyms 
they are starting to do things in different ways. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I have to ask you, I don't have to ask you, but I am going to ask okay. you the last three questions I ask everyone on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, the first is what's one thing in life you would change if you could? Ooh. And it can be about you personally or the world at large. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to sound like a yogi for a second. And I'm going to say like everything is perfect as it is. Mm. And that's not to say that I like everything about the world. That's not to say that I like the fact that Australia is on fire and that the Amazon is on fire. I don't. It kind of does bother me. But then I kind of think there's probably some sort of hidden order or some kind of something good that's going to come out of it, even though it seems like a calamity at the time. Mm. And like, I don't like the fact that we're surrounded by so much concrete in cities and that we've like got so much plastic in the world. I don't. But you think that everything has a way something is gonna kind of work yeah something's gonna change (laughs) i don't know what or how but yeah okay and probably the answer to this is going to be very similar but Mm -hmm. what's one thing you change if you could i'd quite like bigger boobs Um, you can change that there's ways you can change that (laughs) i know but i'm really scared oh don't do it it's terrible for your health Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, fine. With well, my new my nutritionist hat on, I'm saying, please do not put stuff in your body that's not meant to be there. Yeah, no, I I, I did look into it, actually, and I was just like, no way. Mm. No, no thanks. No. Um, but yeah, the, the desire is still there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's quite a fun answer. I like that. Um, and the last question is, what does state of mind mean to you? The podcast is called State of Mind. Yeah. So what does that mean to you? Okay, so state of mind, I think, is how you feel in a moment, a situation, and in life in general. And that, I think, relates to your perceptions of what's going on, your perceptions of the world, the perceptions of the people around you, the perce- your perceptions of yourself, and, and yeah, and your perceptions are kind of leading into your emotions and mm. your emotions are kind of your state of mind, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so that's kind of what it means to me. And, you know, your state of mind constantly changes. And, you know, this morning my state of mind was a bit like, I have to get out of bed now. Mm. And now I'm like, raring, raring to, to go. go. And it'll change again later. And it's just a constant influx mm. kind of thing. Mm. So I think also there are, yeah, we just kind of have moments where we, our state of mind is a bit foggy, a bit overwhelmed, a bit, you know, negative yeah, or whatever. And I think we just have to accept that those are just things moments. that happen. Yeah. Mm. And we, we just accept if we, you know, our state of mind, we just have to accept that it's a, a constant changing thing nice Mm. all right thank Mm. you amy no problem we're all done thank you so much for tuning back into state of mind i really hope you enjoyed this episode with amy that's it for this week but i'll be back same time same place next monday with a brand new episode bye bye